Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is a gentleman named Daryl Stevens. Daryl and I had so much in common, which was the reason why I asked him to be on my show. Daryl is the founder and the owner of Digitech, which is a super successful online marketing agency. And uh, it was through Digitech and kind of through some of our, our conversations over the last two weeks that that we discovered how similar our stories are. Uh, he started his agency basically right around the same time that I started Stadzi. And, and similarly, uh, we have been through a lot of the same trials, a lot of the same tribulations, a lot of the same painful learning experiences uh, to get our companies to where they are. It's, it's rare to find uh, marketing agencies that really stick around for the long haul because it, it is a, a difficult business to maintain and client services in general uh, are difficult. But but it was in speaking to Daryl that I was able to, to really communicate some of those lessons that I've learned. And he was really able to communicate some of those lessons that he's learned with me. And it was just a, a, a great experience to be able to have that conversation with somebody else that's been through uh, such a similar journey as I have. So in this episode, Daryl talks quickly about the start of Digitech and you know what it was like to go from an idea to six figures in revenue in the first year. And then he talks about what it's like to really get to that next level where you're 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 got a lot of clients and you're really really making a lot of money, but but Daryl told me about the burnout stage that he felt and how that affected him and ultimately how that led him to be in this new place in his life where uh, he's still running his business, he's still doing the work that he loves to do, but he's been able to kind of find that balance as to where he can still make the money that he wants, still live the life that he wants, but but also enjoy the lifestyle that comes with it. So enough of me blabbing on. If you're thinking about starting a marketing agency, if you're thinking about getting into this world, I highly, highly recommend listening to this episode. Uh, Daryl's advice was was priceless. So please help me welcome my new friend, Daryl Stevens. Hey, Daryl. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So we were... Uh, we were laughing a little bit before we started recording about uh, just how I've had a lot of different entrepreneurs on my show and kind of the theme of, of my podcast is very entrepreneurial and online business, but you're one of the, well, you're the first person actually who I've talked to that knows about the struggles and the painful day-to-day of actually running um, a digital agency. And I, I kind of just made a joke that we laughed about that it's, it's not like it looks like on Instagram. And I, I wanted to uh, start with that because even though we were joking, um, in the last two minutes, I was kind of thinking like, yeah, that, that probably is a good place to start it off because I, I know that a lot of people that are looking to maybe start their own business or uh, you know get involved with some kind of online marketing of some kind, they, they think 
they naturally think online agency. Let me get clients and, and do digital marketing for clients. And, and with that, I'm hoping that we can kind of talk about some of the pros and some of the cons and some of the awesome experiences that we've had building our agencies. But, uh, but before we get into that, I almost kind of just wanted to know how did, how did this start for you? How did Digitech uh, become a company? What was like the moment where you said, you know what, I think I'm pretty good at this. Let me give it a run. Well, first off, the struggle is real. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's definitely not an Instagram life uh, running a digital agency. It's got its good and it's bad. You know, it, it's more good. But we'll jump into that in a minute. So the way that the Digitech, it's my digital agency, actually came into existence, pretty interesting story. Um, I was sharing with you a little bit earlier about my journey. Um, I have a, sort of a unique background being that I'm in recovery from drug addiction. But uh, so, you know, from, from my younger years on forward, I was, uh, I was pretty hopelessly hooked on, on drugs, on opiates. Wow. And uh, yeah, I, I got sober at age 24 after a, uh, you know, nearly dying and, and had a uh, come to Jesus moment and, and got uh, and got sober and changed my life. And it, some pretty fascinating stuff happened. I, uh, I started living uh, a spiritual life, which was something that was, was foreign to me up until that point. And, you know, as part of that journey, I feel like we all have some sort of purpose. We all have some sort of uh, uh, some sort of, of destiny per se, you know, the way I look at it, it's like, not everybody's created to be an entrepreneur, right? There are certain people who have certain gifts to be an entrepreneur. There are people who are much better in administration and much better um, doing creative things. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a certain gift. So it's really interesting. When I look at my story, I feel like I've just been sort of guided and led, um, you know, on this journey that I've been on. And, and what it looked like is after I got sober, you know, I was working for a, I was working for a Taiwanese tech company and uh, it's, it's actually kind of crazy. So I've always been a natural uh, computer guy, uh, started building computers when I was like 13 or 14 and, you know, was, was really naturally good at that. Um, so I had these skills coming in, coming into it. So when I got sober, you know, I kind of picked back up with my, the natural skills that I had. And I remember working for this uh, surveillance camera manufacturer, this Taiwanese uh, technology company, and they had a horrible website and a horrible marketing presence. And um, what happened is uh, I was looking at their website and it, it was, it was just disastrous. I mean, it was written um, by the people in Taiwan. So there's a big language barrier. And they didn't have a, a budget for a new website. So what I did is uh, I pitched them the idea of, of them uh, allowing me to teach myself um, how to build them a new website. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but that's how the whole thing started. I taught myself web design while getting paid, uh, you know, working for this company. And, uh, and then that, that sort of morphed into uh, me doing freelance and contract work on the side. And then uh, within a period of about six months, I, uh, I started getting this intuition that I should start my own company. And so I came up with a brand name and, you know, created a logo and built a website. And, and I took, a, took the leap of faith and, and jumped out of that job and into the agency world full time. And, 
yeah, haven't looked back since. It's, it's pretty crazy um, looking back at the early years. So the agency is, is going on eight years right now. And, you know, most businesses, most agencies, they struggle for the first few years of pretty much any business, right, to, uh, uh, to, to make a profit. And my journey was, was different. And that's why I felt like it was, you know, somehow uh, spiritually led. But, you know, our first year in business, we, we brought in almost 200000 in revenue. And, <laughs> and quite frankly, looking back, I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> right? I had no idea. I was figuring it all out. Fake it before you make it. Grinding, you know, learning, a lot of Googling. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, that turned into a, a very successful agency working with Fortune 500 companies. And uh, it's been, it's been kind of quite a wild ride. That is so cool. When, when you and I first talked on the phone, I guess it was about two weeks ago at this point, um, one of the things that we said was like, man, you and I kind of have like real similar stories and it seems like we have a lot in common. You know, obviously, most of the people who listen to my podcast and follow my blog know that I'm in recovery. I actually just wrote a uh, really, uh, I don't know what I'll call it, a very expressive article the other day about how on my about page, uh, sometimes I've had people, business professionals who I asked to come on the show and they decline, and I'm, I'm not mad about it by any means, but they decline because they read my about page and they see that like a lot of my story in terms of what got me into this industry was, um, call it fueled, or maybe uh, it was the catalyst where as I was getting sober that first year, I mean, not even that first year, especially the first couple months, um, I was just trying to figure out what to do with all of my thoughts. And I'm a writer. So I looked up this website called Blogspot. This was back when Blogspot was still like Google's blog platform. And I just started a blog and over time was writing about just my day, honestly, writing about what it was like being in this new place and trying to figure out like what was going on in my life. And, And over time I started putting together like, hey, people are starting to read my work. How are they getting there? You know, like what is it that's drawing them? And it was just sort of that moment. Um, I've always been very entrepreneurial. I, I had, you know, started my own construction company and like mowing lawns ever since I was a kid, you know, but it was, it was that moment when I realized that I think this is like my path. You know, I think, I think working with people to build websites and to build content and to build um, just marketing campaigns is, is what I want to do with my life. And I totally relate to you. Like I had no idea what I was doing and I knew that I was honest and I knew that I wouldn't tell anybody a lie just to kind of close a deal. And in a way, I think that really helped me out because people could see that like, if I didn't know how to do something, then I would figure out how to do it. But like, I was really, really going to do the best I possibly could. And really similar in our first year, um, I think it was probably around like 200,000 actually. So, so long story short, you and I just have such similar stories and, and so much in common. Like I, I knew that when we talked on the phone that first time, I needed to get you on your show, on my show. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it, it's quite a, quite a wild ride. You know, I had a, a similar experience. Uh, I mean, I can remember being, God, I can't remember how old I was very young, uh, 13, maybe 14. And 
uh, you know, I didn't grow up with money. Um, so my, my grandmother was the only one that had a computer at that time. And, you know, it was back in the, the dial up days. Right. And uh, I remember she, she called me in there to the computer one day and showed me this website her friend had built. I don't know if you remember like, like geosites, like from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you could build this website on geosites and, and she showed me this website and it was, it was just some random, you know, personal page and with all the flashing GIFs and, and, and all the stuff that we used to have. And it was just somebody like showing the things that they liked and the things that they were interested in to the world. And that you could type in this website address and you could access all this information about this person. And, and like looking back, it was almost like a, a moment of serendipity, but it was, uh, you know, that I think that planted a seed in me. I was so interested that you could do all of that digitally and be connected to a global world. Um, that, that kind of, once I got sober, that, that launched me sort of back into, uh, into the interest of, of website building. Love it, man. I love it. Okay. So, so you got started, you had some success your first year. Tell me about the experience because I know you went through it because it's impossible to start a successful company without going through it. But tell me what it was like when you get to that point where you're doing well, you got a couple of clients, you're working for yourself, maybe you have like one person helping you. And then when you have to take that leap, when you get to the point where it's like, man, I need to build a real company now, you know, like I need to have payroll, I need to have office equipment, I need to pay rent for an office. I, I want to hear a little bit more about that transition from you're doing work and you're enjoying it and you're, you're making some money and you're working with clients to that next stage where it's like you're building a real company, you're building an agency. The trial by fire. Yes. Yeah. So for sure. Um, for the first, you know, again, the brand is about eight years old, eight years old in October for the first, I would say around three years, you know, I wanted to say a real low profile, right? I, I, I was traveling a lot. Um, you know, when you first start getting money, right, you want to do all the things that you're never, never able to do before. Right. So I was in Hawaii a lot and just doing a lot of different traveling, working fully remote. And, and I had a team in India. It was actually just, uh, one, uh, full-time employee in India that would, that would handle the, the build out for all my sites. And, um, you know, I could, it just kept growing and growing and growing. Right. And I can remember a point in time where <clears throat> this is going to sound crazy to you, but I had 30 active website builds going at one time with me and one employee in India. And we had no project management system. We had nothing. <laughs> it was all being tracked and managed by email, right? So, so it was totally out of control. And uh, <laughs> I remember my stress level was just, you know, insane and hindsight 2020, right? I wish I could go back to myself and kind yeah, of, of course. Uh, te- teach myself some things that maybe could have alleviated some suffering in my life. But, but nonetheless, you know, that was the, that was a journey. And, you know, we had just reached a, a threshold um, to where it was, it was sort of time to take that next step. And, and I'll be honest with you, a bit of that was spiritual, right? I had a, in meditation um, and prayers and different things, I, I had some pretty clear direction that it was time for me to to hire some, you know, full-time help and get an office here uh, in Austin where we're based. 
And uh, so I launched out. It was, it, was pretty, it was pretty interesting because as soon as I hired, first, first uh, key employee I hired was just a, a high-end project manager that helped me get unburied, right, for the 30 projects that were ongoing. Brought them in, uh, got our first office space, and from that point, uh, the company tripled in size with just that one key hire, right? So, so then the company tripled in size, and then uh, we began to work with larger, higher profile clients, right? We landed some deals for the University of Texas, cool. um, uh, one, a deal for a UFC uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship world champion, and there's some, some cool deals that, uh, that we hadn't been able to acquire before. Um, and then, you know, that was really the first step. And then the next step was actually building out a full team in America. And so I built out a, uh, a dev team and also a design, a design team here in Austin as well. And that's when we started working with, um, you know, fortune 500 clients like universal music group and waste management, um, some, you know, some of the largest companies in, in America from that point. But it was a lot of trial by fire. Um, it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of grace, to be honest with you. Um, there was some mentorship um, in there. I, I found a, a couple of different mentors who were actually pivotal in me uh, growing the business because it tripled in size again. Um, and so it, it's been quite a ride. It is quite a ride. I, I, <laughs> it's funny because as I'm listening to you talk about your journey, I'm in my own mind thinking about those exact experiences that I had and how scary it is. And one of the thing that, one of the things I appreciate so much about anybody that's willing to go out and, and start a business is that it's inevitable, right? You always get to that moment where you have to decide, am I just going to stay where I'm at? Am I cool with riding this way for a little bit? Or are you going to take that leap to grow? Because very rarely does the growth happen like steady. You know, it kind of comes in big waves where it's like, okay, are we ready to take this next step? And then boom, you're all in. You know, you, you never... Very rarely, I shouldn't say you never, but in my experience, it was rarely a case where you could kind of hire like one person at a time and sort of inch your way into it. You would all of a sudden land like three or four big deals and then it's like, great, now I got to hire like an entire team to support all of the business that I just brought in. And what I'm getting at is I admire that quality so much in people where you, you know that you haven't quite got it figured out, but you know that you're going to get it figured out. You just have to kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think for me, and I want to hear your viewpoint on that, on this, it, it's been that mentality that really has allowed my agency to keep growing because it's so much easier to be comfortable and it's so much easier to just sit in that spot that everything is all good and your bills are paid and, and your, your employees are getting paid, but there's still that itch that you want to just, you, you're dying to take that next step. And for me, it's always come in those big waves. And I'm, I'm grateful that I was born with the personality or maybe the recklessness or whatever you want to call it, where I never really hesitated to, to take that leap. And it, it sounds to me like you didn't either. 
Yeah, I did it. <clears throat> However, the story gets much more interesting, right? So, so the, the first part of what we've been talking about is a lot of some of my egoic accomplishments and, and some of the things that, you know, you know, I did that was part of my journey. But what happened next is, I think, much more interesting, right? Because so is this the crash and burn? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's hear I'll just go ahead and jump it. I'll go ahead and jump again. <laughs> jump ahead. So, you know, growth isn't always positive. I agree. Um, you know, so part of my journey, like looking back, I wouldn't take anything back. I'd love to go back to myself and uh, give myself some knowledge back then, but I, I wouldn't change what I went through because it was all part of my journey. But, um, you know, growing, especially in an, in a, in the, in the realm of digital, right? So you're talking digital agency, web design development, internet marketing. This is a very demanding field. It's very technical. There's a lot of tasks and it's, it's unequivocally high stress. Um, I've, to be honest with you, I've never talked to an agency owner that ran a digital agency that was completely happy. And that's my experience in that world. And that was my journey, right? So I, I, you know, the first few years were fun. This is what happened. First few years were fun. I'm just grinding, getting all these new deals. Everything's new. Everything's fun. And then I start building this team out, right? And then it starts getting heavier, right? And I start getting overhead and heavier and coming to the office all the time. And then, you know, I build out a complete team in Austin. And then it gets heavier and even more heavier. And then I, I suddenly I, fi I find that I am not working on my business anymore. I am working in my business. I am fully working in my business and I have no time to work on my business. And um, I find myself a slave to the company that I started when the whole reason I started it was to be free and to live this, you know, entrepreneurial lifestyle where I could travel and still have fun and still enjoy nature and still enjoy the things that I love. And what happened is, you know, as a side effect of my success, I become a slave to the system that I built built. I also became attached to the money. And so I think that's a really, really hard lesson. I think for all of us to learn is um, the lust and the greed and the attachment that we have towards money. Because my experience is, uh, you know, and, and obviously I'm walking a spiritual life, so it looks a lot different than, than people who maybe aren't on that same path. But my experience is anything that I put in front of my spiritual journey, um, I pay a sacrifice for, or, or I could potentially lose it, right? And so there was a period of my life where I made money my God. And it was all about money. It was all about, you know, how many clients can I get? Close this deal. And in that process, I lost myself. You know, I lost caring about the clients. And I know that sounds crazy, but, but in that process of lusting after all that money and just acquiring more and more and more, I literally lost the, the unique things that make me me, which, you know, I have a high level of empathy. That's who I am naturally. And I just became cold and I became callous and I didn't care about clients. So I would close deals and didn't really care about these guys. They would just run, go up, go into the engine, right? Go to project management, go to design, go to development, just another number passing through. Right. And, um, Inevitably, what happened to me is I had a, I had a complete burnout. You know, we had so many projects going, and um, and, and I just I was working 
looking back, I was living a completely unsustainable life. Like we were, as a human being, we were not created to live that sort of life. There's, there's a lie in American entrepreneurial culture that's like work harder. You know, you can sleep when you die. Um, all of these sort of mentalities around being an entrepreneur that are just not correct. You know, that only leads to, leads to a life of misery and de depression. I mean, not that there isn't a, a time to grind and work hard. I still grind and work hard, but I'm no longer working till two in the morning. Right. I, I'm no longer sacrificing, you know, time with my family and time, uh, going on hikes and being in nature and vacationing, um, just to grind out for, for what, for money. It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, there's, a there's a wonderful quote that I love. Um, it's actually a quote by Yogananda and he just talks about living a simple life. If you, if you strive to live a simple life, you will be amazed at how peaceful and happy your life will become by living simply and by being free of all the attachments, free of all the um, desires for material wealth, which are completely unfulfilling. And so that was part of my journey. You know, I, uh, you know, we, we hit a million dollars in revenue and then shortly after was the, uh, the nervous breakdown. And that was a pretty dark season. I mean, I'm not gonna, gonna sugarcoat it. I mean, that was a pretty dark time, but, uh, in the darkness, in the, in the, uh, in the dark night of the soul, I would call it, I, I sort of found myself and I realized that a lot of what I had done you know, a lot of what I had accomplished up until that point was coming out of my ego. And it wasn't actually who I was as a person. And it wasn't actually what I cared about. You know, a lot of it was driven by fear. A lot of, a lot of that desire to acquire all of those things was driven by the fear of, of being worthless because I had put all of my value into entrepreneur. If I'm a successful entrepreneur, if my business says X amount, if I close X amount of clients, then I'm going to be valuable. Then I'm going to be worthy. Then people are going to like me. If I achieve this and what the world or society says is success, then I'm going to have value. And that was all driven from an internal place of fear. And so going through that dark night of the soul, I, I was really able to, to find myself. And, you know, one of the things that I, I found was um, the stereotypical model of an agency where you have a big, crazy, beautiful, high-tech office and all these employees. That was not, I, don't, I didn't enjoy that. I, I had no desire for that. Um, and so I started minimizing. I, I got rid of the office. All of our employees started working from home. We went to a completely digital model. I hardly even meet clients now. It's almost all remotely. Why? Because that, for me personally, is exhausting. Um, some people thrive off that. Some people thrive off of the sales and some people thrive off of, you know, getting into meetings and the acquisition of new clients. But for me, it's it absolutely exhausting. Uh, spiritual teacher I follow, Eckhart Tolle, I love what he talks about. He talks about uh, boardrooms and conference rooms and meetings and how dreadful they are. It's because there's so many combating egos. They all have agendas and, every, and everybody wants what they want. And they come together in these boardrooms and it's just the energy is so heavy. So I'm, I'm a huge empath. I mean, 
I'm not a big astrology guy, but I'm a cancer. It's like one of the most sensitive of all the signs. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm an empath. That's the way I am. And those sort of environments I just discovered, those are like toxic and draining for me. And that's not, it's not life giving to me. So an area of like self love for me was to realize, Hey, you're not the guy who is going to run the 500 person agency. That's not who you were created and built to be. So I created the agency around actually more of my true identity. And I have, uh, it's such, so much more peace and so much more joy and so much less stress. Um, I, uh, it, it was a really, really hard learning journey, but um, I'm super grateful to be where I'm at today. I think what you just said, well, first off, there's, there's a couple points that you just made that I want to kind of touch on. So um, let me kind of get to these. But before I do, I think it's important to say that it takes a lot of courage to talk about those things, especially from, especially from the you know, entrepreneurial community like you were referring to. I wrote a, an ebook a little while back all about hustle and, and how much of a fucking lie and like a trap and how ridiculous <laughs> it is that there's yeah. this really strange mentality where it's like, if you're sleeping, then you're weak. And if you're not like up all night and hardly eating and like, go, go, go 24 seven, that means that like, you're somehow not working hard and that you're not like worthy of success. And I certainly fell into that trap as well. Um, I, I do think that there's levels to it. Like in the beginning, as I'm sure you can relate, like you wouldn't take anything back. I wouldn't take any of it back either because you almost need to, in the beginning, you know, there's like a law in physics that it takes more energy to get something moving than it does to keep it moving, you know? So like you almost have to sort of, push the, the boulder up the hill and really, really get it started. So that might mean that you're up late a couple nights. But ideally, it gets to a point where, like, I'm not living my life to work. I'm working to live my life now. And, and when I was able to find that balance, um, it, it meant a whole lot to me. You, you mentioned a, a quote, and when you were mentioning it, I was thinking of a quote of myself, and I'm not going to get it uh, perfectly. So forgive me. Honestly, I'm, I'm almost positive. It's a, a Dalai Lama quote, but he said, uh, man is a strange creature because he sacrifices his health and his family and his time for money just to make money and discover that he can't buy those things with it. And so like, it's so interesting. I, I try my best to be mindful of my time that I, I continue to spend time with my family that I continue to like take after my health because fitness and like good food is just really, really important to me. And when I'm working too much, that's something that that goes by the wayside. And more importantly, like just my mental and emotional stability, you know, and when you're in that like hashtag hustle mentality, that stuff goes right out the window. So like, I think it's really important and I think it's really courageous that you say those things, especially considering like there's thousands of people that are going to hear this. And I know that when those people listen to it, they're not going to say to themselves, 
Daryl, like he, he's a shitty business owner. He must not know what he's talking about. They're going to say to themselves like, yeah, this guy has it figured out because that's the point. The point isn't to drive yourself into the ground. The point is to like, the point is to have freedom. You know, isn't that why anybody starts their own business? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. There was a point in time where I was spending, so I spent like $60,000 on like IV drips and supplements and all this health related stuff just mm -hmm. to be able to continue to have that output that I was having when I was in my late twenties, um, to keep up with the demand that I had put on upon myself and a Dalai Lama quote. I mean, I've heard that one before. It's, it's awesome. And it's so correct. I mean, if you look at that from an outside point of view, like, like when you're in the matrix, you can't see that. Yeah. Right. When you are caught up in the world and the systems and the matrix, you're not even like a lot of the things that I probably just said, like people may not be able to compute that. So there's probably gonna be a lot of people that listen to this and they won't get it. And that's okay because it might play in a seed and maybe 10 years later when they're going through something, they might get it right. Mm -hmm. There's going to be another audience segment that's going to get it and got to understand that like we weren't put here on this earth for that. Like, I really believe like we, we're here on this earth. It's part of our journey to grow and evolve spiritually, to raise in consciousness. And that's why we're here. We're not here to, uh, you know, strive 18 hours a day to acquire material things that are meaningless, that we're, we're going to die and, and leave behind. Right. It, it, it like, when you look at it that way, it's actually, it's like insane. It's like, why am I even here? Right. And what happens is we put so much attachment into the material things and into our value as a business owner, an entrepreneur or whatever it is. What happens when that goes away? Hmm. What happens when that business dries up? What happens when the economy goes down? You find yourself in an existential crisis because your whole set of values and identity is completely destroyed and you're left with having to face, who am I? You're asking the question, who am I, right? So I, I, I read this article the other day and I loved it. It was a, an article on a Forbes about what Warren Buffett taught Bill Gates and they were, he was talking about how he shared his philosophies on uh, Warren Buffett shared his philosophies with Bill Gates on time management by sharing his nearly blank calendar. So he'll blank out days and weeks and months at a time where he doesn't do anything. He doesn't take appointments. He reads and relaxes and enjoys his life. And it, it, you can, you can look it up online, but Bill Gates is being interviewed on there and he, he's saying many of the same things that we said. He used to have his calendar booked to the minute and it was absolutely insane. And, uh, and Warren Buffett actually taught him that lesson. And he started, he actually, I think he takes a month off a year and, and goes and, and yeah. reads and relaxes and recharges, you know? So this seems to be something that is pervasive in our, our culture and, uh, most of us have to uh, figure this out through immense suffering, unfortunately. Well, and so that, that Bill Gates, Warren Buffett analogy is perfect because, because I was going to ask you, how is it that you still view your success as a businessman? Because there's kind of two sides to it, right? Of course, you want to have your free time. And you want to grow in your case. And I'm sure in a lot of cases, you want to grow spiritually. But then like, where, where does that side of your life start to become too big to where you neglect like just the hard business that comes with 
running an agency. You know, you still have to get new clients. You still have to make a profit. You still got to pay people. You still got to make money. So what I love with the Warren Buffett, Bill Gates analogy, I, I was on a plane. Uh, I was on a flight back from Los Angeles and that being Warren Buffett documentary was on. And he said, he was talking about his friendship and his relationship with Bill Gates. And he said that the reason, the only reason why both of them were so successful, and he said it was one word. And then they stopped and he just said, focus. And then I went right to Bill Gates and Bill Gates went focus. And that was a real big moment for me as well. When I, I, I realized it's, there's this strange thing like that, that we keep talking about where there's this like idea that if you're not working super hard, you're not going to be successful because I still enjoy living the life. Like, you know, I bought a house, I got a nice house, I got a mortgage, I got to pay for shit, you know, like I can't sacrifice that. But the, the, the key to succeeding and to scaling from a strictly business standpoint isn't like more grind. It's more focus. It's finding something that you can like excel at. And in Warren Buffett's case, what does he do? He reads a newspaper every single day for like four hours. And then like from all the information he gathered, he makes like one key decision. And usually that one key decision that he makes in like the course of a year is the thing that makes him billions of dollars. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, just, so, it's just so interesting the dynamic that we have where we, we have it backwards. It's not about doing more. And it's, it's not always about doing less either. It's just about doing the right fucking thing. And for me, in my experience, knowing what that right thing is, is from harnessing my ability to focus. I totally agree with that. And that brings me to another point I think is important to mention. This is something I've implemented in my life after, after years of being, you know, sucked into this, into this thing is, um, talk about focus. You know, the only way you can focus is by eliminating distractions. Yes. And so two of the biggest, exactly. You already (laughs) knew where I was going. So two of the biggest things that I had to cut completely out of my life are social media and then this compulsive habit, I had to check the news. Um, and, uh, and so I had this, this, this compulsive, um, it's honestly, it's an addiction, right? I mean, mm-hmm. research shows that, that, that when Facebook was early on, they brought in sociologists to program their system to make it more addictive. Like they knew that this was addictive. And they brought experts in. How can we change our platform to make it more addictive to people? And, you know, the science is out there, but, you know, most people know that, you know, it releases dopamine and it's a very much an addictive process. So I had to completely block myself off of social media and there are plugins and apps on your phone that can do that and help with that. And also the news, I have a, an app on my iPhone, uh, it's called zero willpower. It's actually awesome. But I, I put, I block like all the new sites in there so that I, I can't get on that because it's fascinating that it, you know, it happens compulsively. Another interesting thing that I've done that I think um, listeners will find interesting is I deleted as many apps as possible from my phone. And now this was a bigger step. I, I deleted Gmail from my phone. I totally got rid of my email. I got rid of all messaging apps, everything except text message, um, 
and phone calls and just basic browsing of the internet is what I've limited myself to on my phone because there is no, nothing is that urgent that you need to be chronically, you know, refreshing your email to check for the next thread that comes in. That's, that's an addiction. So I, I forced myself to uh, check email and things like that on the computer and my productivity and not even my productivity, my peace of mind has been through the roof since I did that. And I think, what people find fascinating is you actually like detox. So once you block yourself from, from all these uh, outlets, you go through a, a few weeks where you feel weird because you've all of a sudden lost this coping, you know, this coping method that you have. And, uh, but after a few weeks, it gets really, really good and, and allows you to focus a lot more. That's just a time suck, totally fruitless, wasteful time suck. Too funny, Daryl. I can't believe you said that because I, I went through the same as I think. I actually went all the way and I completely deleted my Facebook account. I deleted my Instagram account. I still have a, a Facebook page um, for my company, but I don't manage it. Um, the one thing I do keep, I do keep Twitter, but I only go on it on my desktop. And the reason I keep it is because I do a daily kind of esports newsletter and a lot of the news and the information, um, you know, for like a latest Twitch uh, stream or something you can find on Twitter. But I did the same thing. I, I deleted it from my phone because then it's just like we were talking about. There's literally no value in staring at your phone and endlessly scrolling at shit. And like, it's crazy how addictive it is. It's, it's the smartest people in the world all figuring out how to make you stop whatever it is that you're doing and do that instead. So my, my productivity and not just my productivity, like my progression, I know it's kind of the same thing, but the difference is that the work that I do now gets me somewhere as opposed to just going back and forth. Like, let me post another picture. Let me send out another tweet or some other bullshit that doesn't actually get you anywhere. Now, like the work that I do really progresses my life and my career. So, so that's great, man. Look, we're so similar. We could talk about all this stuff. Um, so long, uh, we got a, a couple of minutes left. So before we wrap up though, um, I wanted to also give you a chance to talk about this kind of, um, mobile CMO type industry that you're stepping into. I admit, I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, so I, I almost wanted to just ask you about it so that I can learn from myself. But last time we talked on the phone, you, you mentioned that that's kind of uh, where you are heading in this next phase of, of your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, for sure. So it's called a fractional CMO, right? Um, it's a, it's a pretty new sort of buzzword right now. Um, I think an easier way to explain it would be like an outsourced chief marketing officer. Okay. Um, you know, one of the pain points that, that I had uh, in my business, and I think any agency owner would say that is, it's just dealing with clients, right? You're yeah. dealing with expectations and entitlements and unreasonable demands. Um, and it's, uh, it can be difficult. It can be challenging. It really depends upon the nature of the client. You know, some are good, some are not good. So, you know, one of the things that uh, this sort of came to me was I wanted to be able to work with a significantly less amount of clients while getting paid, you know, the same, if not more than I was 
making, you know, working with 20 different clients at a time. Mm -hmm. So, so what I started offering is uh, this fractional CMO uh, product. And so, so what it is, is, uh, you know, for me specifically, um, I have a, a really, really strong background in obviously website design and development, but also particularly orga organic search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I work specifically with brands um, and I serve as their outsourced chief marketing officer, specifically focused around managing the website. So that's going to be everything from designing and developing, building out a new website, to uh, doing, most of my clients are, are very high-end SEO websites. So you're talking about particular companies that understand the value and importance uh, in SEO and they're willing to make, you know, six-figure a year sort of investments into their SEO campaigns. And, um, and we handle the complete build-out and management of those campaigns. And so on the SEO side, you know, that includes, um, you know, long-tail keyword content writing and backlink building. We build some pretty crazy backlinks on EDU sites from universities across America and, and, and publish articles and outlets like Forbes, Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine, things like that. And then also all the other intricacies, as you know very well, what SEO entails. And so we manage that for our clients. But yeah, I, I've got three partner clients that I work with on that right now. Um, and I'm loving it. You know, it's, uh, I've been offering that service for about five months now. Um, I would never take more than five clients. Five is the max I would work sure. with um, just because of the amount of time that's involved in, in doing these really, really high powered campaigns. But yeah, it's a pretty awesome service. Uh, the thing I like about it the most is you're able to really build relationships with clients. You're able to get, uh, get a little bit more uh, in the dirt with them and, um, and get into the grind with them of, of helping their business and you, you care about their business and care about their success and you really put all of your gifts and your talents to work for people that you have an invested relationship with. And that's the thing I enjoy the most, you know, become friends with these clients and end up going on vacations together. And um, it's a, it's a totally different model than the sort of production burn and churn model of a, a, a typical agency. That sounds right up your alley um i'm sure you're you're very good at that in the uh i don't know two weeks or whatever that you and i have kind of on and off been working with each other it's it's clear that that you're effective in the work that you do especially with seo because i mean i don't have to tell you this a, a lot of times on my podcast the word seo is still thought of as like this kind of seeker secret hacker type skill that like only a few people that have mastered this digital language can understand. And the reality is, is that SEO is built around maybe three or four common sense principles, you know, and if you just do things consistently over the course of months, sometimes even years, it's almost guaranteed that you get results. And the reason why I bring that up is because you had mentioned in your fractional CMO services that you work with clients that are really willing to make that kind of investment. But the best thing about SEO is that if, if you got the stomach for it, if you can spend the money and not have expectation of these like immediate turnarounds and, um, you know, that kind of like underlying message that we've been talking about, you know, that little dopamine hit where like you, you get a, you get a hit right away. You get a phone call right away. If you have the stomach to put 
some kind of real investment towards your brand, your organic search, your, your distribution in terms of your content, it's, it's just the best thing that you can do to grow a, a company's web presence, at least in my experience. And I'm, I'm sure it's been in your experience as well. Yeah, it is for sure, right? I mean, it's free clicks. And I don't know if you've seen the data on uh, click-through rate for organic versus pay-per-click, but you know, an average pay-per-click ad is going to have about a, a 2% click-through rate, which means if 100 people you know, Google a search term, about 2% are going to click an ad on, uh, on Google. And the number one spot organic has a 30% click-through rate. And, and then it drops down to about 22% and then 15%. Um, even the bottom of page one organically um, has a higher conversion rate than an ad. So SEO is definitely the long-term play. But, you know, I, I, I tell my clients straight up, I'm like, you need to invest at, at least a year. I, I, I'm, there's no short-term gains. Short-term gains equal penalties on Google, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. Um, you need to be willing to invest in this for a year. This is your long-term play. But, you know, once you get them ranked, as you know, with your different brands, you know, you, you dominate on Google. Um, it's hard for somebody else to push you out of that spot. So yes. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool, a really cool service. That's great, man. Well, Daryl, look, I appreciate your time so much. You and I can kind of shoot the shit back and forth about all of the different things that, that we agree on and uh, the similarities we have. Um, before we sign off, uh, please tell everybody where they can find you. If, if they wanted to ask you a question, if they want to maybe hire you or, or even just check out your work, where's the best place to find your work? Yeah. Best place to find our work is going to be on our website. Uh, the company is Digitech web design. The URL is Digitech D I G I T E C H Austin.com. Or just go to Google and type in Austin web design. You should see us number one or number two there. So that's, uh, that's the best place to, to get in touch. <laughs> that's the other best thing about SEO too. And I guess just a little shout out while we wrap this thing up. Isn't it the best feeling when somebody calls you asking about SEO services and they say like, well, how do I know if this works? And then you say, well, how did you find me? <laughs> <laughs> My ego loves it. <laughs> My, yeah, yeah. I guess I had to shoot that little, that ego shot in there. Before. It's fun. No, it's fun. It's fun for sure. That's great, man. Well, hey, Daryl. I really, really appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much for coming on my show. To anybody listening, thank you so much for, for your attention and for listening to my podcast. If you could tell a friend about my show, if you get any value uh, from what we say, what my guests say, the best thing you can do to support me is just tell somebody about my show. I really appreciate it. Daryl, thank you one more time, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Appreciate it. See ya. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.